Welcome back to the Metric Stack Podcast. Today, we're joined by Namdi Irregulam, a partner at Lightspeed Ventures. Namdi is a coder, economist, and venture investor with an interest in technical tools for technical people. He works with companies like Vectorized, Materialize, and Snorkel. Previously, he was an investor with Iconic Capital, where he backed companies such as GitLab, Fastly, Alteryx, and Epic Games. I'm joined by my colleague, Lauren Thibodeau, and my name is Alan Ville. Namdi, so glad that you can join us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. So today is all about a new metric for many folks, weighted ACV. And so we'll ask you lots about that, Namdi. But before we do, could you just kind of set the stage a little bit? What's the context that we should have in mind as we're sort of having this discussion today? Yeah, so the the, the context to think about is sort of a typical software company selling to businesses that range in scales from you know, anywhere from you know, small businesses to mid-market to, to enterprise. And, you know, as you're selling to these businesses, you know, you end up with, you know, pretty different contract sizes across these different organizations, depending on use cases, depending on your pricing model, et cetera. And so it's, it's very normal to have a sort of distribution of different, you know, contract sizes and investors uh, will frequently, and operators frequently calculate what's the average of all of that. While a simple average can tell you a lot, it doesn't tell you everything. And so the question is, is there, is there more information kind of in the data that you could kind of extract as an operator or an investor that could sort of tell you something a little bit different than a simple average? And you're, you're definitely right about that. I mean, these simple averages, and we are always sort of caution people that, you know, averages lie. You know, you've heard that, you know, everybody's heard that time and time again, but yet people do keep coming back to these simple averages. So, so tell us briefly the weighted, what makes it weighted? How are we calculating this? And how do you get that more accurate view of what, where your distribution lies? So one point to start off with that people often miss is that it's a normal kind of traditional average is also a weighted average. It's just that the weights are all the same. And so we don't think of it as a weighted average, just thinking of it as the average, so to speak, but it is, it is a weighted, it's just every weight's the same. And so I like to think about the standard ACV metric as being effectively a customer weighted metric where, where you weight by the customer. And since every customer is just one customer, you know, everybody gets the same weight. What's different about weighted ACV is that the weights are, instead of it just being one for every customer, the weights are themselves the revenue that that customer represents. And so if a customer is 5% of your overall revenue distribution, that customer would get a 5% weight in this weighted ACV calculation. And someone else who is, you know, half a percent would get half a percent, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, you take those percentages, you multiply them by the ACV that that customer represents, and then you add those all up, and that gives you the the weighted ACV. That's fantastic. And and can you just help us apply that? How do you personally use this metric, and how do operators? How could operators use this metric? Yeah. So I think the right way to think about it is a, a sort of analogy that I think about that I that I mentioned in the piece, which is sort of thinking about the center of gravity which is different than the cent the literal center of an object, or it can be. If an object has different density across it, then its center of gravity or center of mass will be different than its actual physical center geometrically. And so you can think about it the same way for your business. 
you know, the standard ACB calculation is sort of the geometric center of your business. It's like where the typical customer is. The weighted ACB is telling you where does the typical dollar of revenue you know, come from in our business, which can be very different than the customer-centric view. And so in enterprise software, I mentioned it's, it's, it's fairly, it's software in general, it's very common to have this sort of distribution across different contract sizes. And so you can have a couple of customers that represent a very large share of your overall business. I've done an analysis in a different essay on public companies, and it's not uncommon for public software companies to have 70% of their revenue coming from roughly 20% of their customers. And so if you're facing a similar distribution, you can use this to sort of point to where that revenue tends to be concentrated in what kind of customer. And so an example might be maybe by the standard ACB calculation, uh, and you have, let's say 5,000 is like a stand is like your average, uh, kind of typical contract value. You may have a couple customers that are much larger than that. And so when you run the weighted ACB calculation, maybe it's closer to 30 K in which case that tells you that the typical dollar in your company is actually coming from a 30 K revenue customer, not a five K revenue customer. And so while most of your customers might be smaller, most of your revenue is coming from the, the bigger folks. And so if you're thinking about where's the revenue risk in our business, where's growth likely to come from, et cetera, you can do a better job kind of pinpointing that using the, the weighted version of the metric. So you often hear about those stories where, you know, people will say, well, you know, 80% of the revenue is coming from 20% of your customers. And I, I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. We're really trying to identify, well, not by just the pure count of customer customers in your portfolio, but really where is that weighted money coming from? Where is that concentration coming from? And and are all businesses equal in that sense, in that, you know, if we run an analysis of ACV and we run an analysis of weighted ACV, we're going to see a difference? Or are there some businesses that are actually going to have the same ACV as a weighted ACV? And, and are those businesses different? Uh, are there different stages? Where does this really start expressing itself? Yeah, so it tends to express itself most when your pricing model scales with usage. So either in the, in the realm of seat-based pricing or con, you know, true consumption-based pricing, um, that's where you tend to see the widest sort of differences in contract values. If you have a, if you're, on the other hand, if you're selling a product that there's sort of one price for it and you pay like on a monthly basis and there's no way to pay more for it or less for it, that's just the price, then you're, you're not going to see much of a variance across different customers. And so in that kind of case, your weighted ACV and your standard ACV might be exactly the same number or very, very close to one another. In most software businesses, you do see this uh, sort of revenue concentration, which leads to weighted ACV being different than the standard ACV. And in fact, difference between the weighted ACV and the standard ACV is itself a measure of concentration um, in your company. And so it's a nice sort of trick you can kind of do, which is why I always going to advocate that folks calculate you know, both numbers rather than like one or the other. So Namdi, I just had, I, I might've had an aha moment and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but if, if you're saying that it's the companies where there's, there's expansion capability. So you come in, you have a base price, your customers are loving the product. They're expanding either through usage or through number of users or certain feature uh, um, attributes. Are those also the companies, the companies that have a high differential in their weighted ACV 
versus ACV are also those the companies that have a better net dollar retention. They have other unit economics that are healthier, or am I reading too much into that? No, it, I think you're reading into it in the same way that I've read into it, which is to say, I, mean, I sort of had a similar intuition that there might be a relationship between um, you know, weighted ACV and its difference from typical ACV and then in, in net revenue your retention, net dollar retention. I haven't done the analysis to actually confirm this across you know, either public or private companies, so I can't say for certain, but the intuition I think is right, which is basically the more room there is to end up with these sort of whale customers, then the more likely you are to see you know, this kind of difference. And for companies that have very high uh, net dollar retention, that is also, by the way, a weighted metric. It isn't, people don't think of it that way, but it, it is actually a weighted metric. It's also a dollar weighted metric. You know, if you have, if your largest customer has a hundred percent net revenue retention and your smallest customer has 300%, your overall net re- revenue retention is going to be 100%. It, it's not going to be the simple average of 100 and 300. As I was saying, the more the more room there is to kind of expand in the customer base, the more you're going to see that. And I also haven't done this analysis publicly, but I'm fairly sure that if you look at co- companies that have very high dollar retention, they also have a high distribution, a high variance of dollar retention across the different customers versus companies that tend to have very close to let's say 100% is a baseline, very close to 100% net dollar retention, it tends to concentrate around that 100%. It would be my intuition. I don't know that for sure, but that would also be kind of evidence for this relationship between dollar retention and weighted AC. That's very cool. So we'll have we'll have another podcast on that once that analysis is out, but that's, yeah, fantastic. Let's go back to the kind of the beginning, if we could. How early in a company's life, lifetime life cycle should they start? Could they start looking at this and have it be actually meaningful? Yeah, it's it's a good question. There's sort of like two sides to it. I think on the one hand, if you're a small company with only a handful of customers, it's very easy for one of those customers to represent a large share of your revenue. That's a very sort of natural thing to have happen for an early stage company. On the other hand. You know, it's few early stage companies that are tiny million dollar deals in the first place, right? It, it, you know, it's typically a larger company that would even have these whale, you know, contracts. And so you, you could, you could see both sides of it. It could be more or less relevant for an early stage or a later stage or public company. I think it's great to get in the habit of calculating it as an early stage company, because I think there's more so than just like what the number literally is, there's like a mentality shift around taking this revenue-centric view that I think a lot of people miss. And I think it's an important perspective to have. And then, you know, especially if you're a really stage company who's looking to raise your venture capital money, um, I think this is a good metric to kind of have ready to kind of talk through with your investors because I can say I've met a lot of companies who, if they could only show their standard ACV metric it's not a very attractive metric for them because they have a lot of really small customers or even like a lot of totally free usage. And so you have this very, and that basically dilutes the standard ACV calculation. So when you're talking to investors, it's like, oh, you know, this is low quality revenue because you're only selling to very, very small customers. When in fact, most of the revenue could be coming from, you know, larger customers, right? And so... I actually think it's, it's, it can be very valuable for, for early stage companies if, if only they were to calculate it 
So when you're sitting around with, you know, the, the Monday morning partner meeting, are you looking at both weighted and ACV? So, you know, somebody, somebody sends in a, a, you know, a pitch for a series A or series B or whatever it is, you know, if you only had weighted, would that actually tell you enough? Or do you also need to see the standard, you know, simple average? Yeah. So I, I think you really want to see both. Part of the reason we were talking about this earlier that folks tend to sort of overuse and abuse simple averages is because you only need two numbers to calculate a simple average. You see the numerator and the denominator, you divide the two and you have your answer versus this weighted ACV calculation that I'm advocating. You need a lot more data to calculate it. In fact, you need the revenue of every single customer in the business to calculate it perfectly. And you can kind of approximate it with, you know, let's say you had enough customers that represent most of the revenue, you could probably approximate it. But basically you need a lot of data. As an investor, speaking from that perspective, companies aren't necessarily always sharing that data. And so from the outside, I actually can't necessarily calculate the weighted ACV metric. And so you have to sort of rely on the companies providing it. I hope they do. Hopefully this helps promote this metric and people start you know, reporting this outwardly. Even if they don't pr- provide the underlying data to calculate it, I think having the number at least would be would be valuable, the kind of the, the, the output of the calculation. But again, as I mentioned, I think it's good to have both because there's as much information in their absolute numbers as in the difference between the two. And so just having one or the other doesn't tell you the full story. Yeah. So let's let's actually touch on that a little bit because you're you're absolutely right. I mean, calculating the simpler average, I mean, I can do that, you know, on the back of a napkin. I can have a quick Slack uh, message to my finance team or my sales team and say, hey, how many customers do we have? You know, <laughs> what's what's our current MRR? Boom. There it is, right? Um I think as soon as you start looking at every single individual customer and then dividing that by your total total ACV or total MRR, yeah, you need to get system data from, you know, Stripe or from Zora or from your BizOps team, you know, straight from your database. And I think that definitely makes it more complicated, but it's certainly something that, you know, a company that is tracking customer movement, tracking their MRR, they should have this. Most systems will provide this. It just means that your formula is a little bit, not much, but just a little bit more complicated. So every single customer, you've got to do this pre-calculation and then you figure out what the what the average is. So certainly having a good relationship with the BizOps team uh, is probably not a bad idea. Yeah, it's always always a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean they are they are the holders of the the data quality and and the keys to all the systems. Yeah, the metrics masters. There's there, there's a hashtag. So you've talked uh, Namdi about you know calculating both uh, ACV weighted ACV the difference between the two being insightful. What are some of the other metrics around weighted ACV that would be good to look at in context? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we already mentioned net dollar retention and hopefully I will soon have uh, better empirical data to confirm the, the connection between those. I think that's a great metric to have. You know, there's a metric that I've been thinking about that I, maybe I'll write a piece on this too, which is basically weighted customer acquisition cost. Mm. So again, this will require you knowing what your per customer customer acquisition cost even was. So it's sort of like, I don't think it's actually possible for books to calculate. But it's a super interesting idea, right? Because I mean, you can, you can think of it more high level and you can say, well, let's segment our, our partner channel and the cost that 
to acquire there and let's segment our direct channel. Like that's that's super high level. Or maybe you can do that high level segmentation on, on geo if you have a sales team and a marketing team for each geo. You're talking about bringing it down to the atomic unit, right? Which is a little bit more complicated, but I, I love that idea of being able to actually then marry, you know, this MRR, this, this customer came through these acquisition channels and this is how much it cost. I think it's super, it'd be super cool to do it. And, and actually the point you mentioned about, um, looking at sort of channels as sort of like a, a higher level sort of segmentation. You could do the same thing on the weighted ACV side. You could just, instead of weighting each customer, you could weight the segments. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it doesn't give you the same results, but it's still, if that's a level of granularity you have, that's still a, a useful calculation that could be done. And so whatever, however deep you can go, if you could calculate a weighted ACV and a weighted um, customer acquisition cost and compare those, I think that would be an interesting thing for companies to, to do. And then there's certain like classic stuff like, uh, you know, this is magic number metric, which I actually don't like very much. I wrote a whole piece about why people shouldn't use it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's worth going into here, but I, I don't think it actually measures sales productivity. It's measuring something else. What are your thoughts on customer revenue concentration? There's some, you know, there's some benchmarks out there saying it's maybe not a great thing. If you have, you know, if you're an enterprise customer, you have more than 10% of your revenue coming from one customer, things like that. What's your perspective? I mean, maybe it doesn't matter as long as you're aware. Yeah, it, um, it's interesting because I think the standard idea is to think about concentration as a bad thing or a thing to be avoided, um, all else equal. What I've generally found in the data is that very rarely is all else equal. In other words, it's not that you can kind of just choose to have whatever revenue concentration you want to have. Typically, the reason you have revenue concentration in the first place is because you've actually probably been very successful with, uh, as a, as a go-to-market organization, you've landed these big contracts and it just so happens they take a huge chunk of your revenue, but that's, that's not a bad thing. You would, you'd rather have the contract than not. So I think one has to be careful, sort of like thinking about revenue concentration as like purely a bad thing. It, it exists for a reason. And in fact, I think, and this is another thing that I don't fully have the data to be able to say, but I, 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 I wonder if success sort of leads to concentration in the first place and there's sort of a subtle connection between the two, because when I did look at the public companies, it was shocking how consistent the concentration was across a bunch of high flying, highly valued, you know, SaaS companies. It wasn't that there were one that like was, had lower concentration and was trading at a better multiple or something like that. There wasn't really any relationship like that. So, yeah, I mean, you've got my mind spinning again. Like it's, it's, it is interesting if you don't have any concentration, you know, you, you run the risk of not having any focus, right? If you have too much if you have too much concentration yeah are, are you running the risk of one customer dictating the future of your company right but there's probably a a very nice place in there that is more skewed towards having concentration that tells you you found that best fit cohort you know you're satisfying that need and you're able to extract you know good net retention good dollar retention out of that group and they're sticking around like that's probably what you should be looking for so there's probably a range there. And, and again, like maybe this is, this is more research down the road, but I think there's a lot that this weighted concentration, weighted ACV can actually tell us here. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it's like a complex multidimensional thing and thinking of any one of those dimensions as good or bad, it's probably not the full story. Do you find, um, the companies that you're working with, are they adopting it? Are they, are they 
seeing the potential of it? Yeah, so I have at least one company that is adopting it and reporting it, which I'm very happy uh, to see. The rest are, <laughs> I, have, I have to beat them over the head with it a little bit more, but it is it is being adopted, which is actually really nice. And I've been actually very pleased with like the reception that the article has gotten. Like I read a lot of the essays and you know some do better, some do worse, but I was like surprised at how well this one is sort of resonated with folks. I, I think people immediately kind of get it when they read it through. Everyone has faced this issue of like, an average not telling the full story. And so here's kind of a solution to that. Um, and I can see in my traffic, the article being shared in people's Slack channels or Asana, you know, whatever. So I, I know it's getting around within companies. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, we, yeah, we both read it. We'll share the link for everybody as well. It's a great article. I mean, it goes into a good amount of depth without, you know, going over, over your head. And again, that last little piece about the concentration just sort of, it sort of nailed it, right? Because that was the sort of, if if you don't believe this, here's the, here's the next thing that you should be really thinking about. So, and so I thought it was a great article, but we'll share it around. Thank you. For sure. And on that note, Namdi, are there any last kind of words of advice that you would offer listeners as they're contemplating crunching this number? One thing I would mention is that, um, I think this is actually true of a lot of metrics is that don't get too caught up on like what the number is in isolation. As I was mentioning earlier, there's at least as much information and in what it is relative to other things. So like what it is relative to the standard ACV calculation, what it is relative to itself over time, you know, how is the weight ACV metric, you know, changing over time? I, there's a sort of mini analysis of this in the piece, but it'll tend to change in a very different way than the standard ACV metric will change over time. And that is information in and of itself. And so. I just think about like, if you're trying to figure out what this number should be, you're sort of asking the wrong question. It's sort of what it is relative to other things, but how it's evolving for time, that that's the kind of, at least this important piece of this. So, Namdi, amazing advice, lots of insights. Uh, again, everybody, Namdi Aregubulam from Lightspeed Ventures on weighted ACV, on a revenue culture, and sort of taking the bigger picture into context always. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.